I guess if we oversimplify it a little bit, that's really the answer to everything, isn't it? Problems in our world and problems in our homes, oftentimes it's just folks need the Lord. That's the truth of the matter, and I hope we can do something about that in this new year, uh, working with our new theme, and I'm excited about it tonight. And uh, tonight we're going to get into some of the specifics, if we could, in Romans chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and be turning there, Romans chapter 1, let me thank uh, everyone who had a part in preparing uh, everything for this morning. Uh, everything went very smoothly, and I'm thankful for all the work that went into that and countless hours of our folks preparing things, getting them ready, and uh, I look forward to carrying this theme on throughout 2023 and uh, excited about what the Lord's going to do with it. I do want to say I know we ran out of bags. Great problem to have this morning. Uh, and this afternoon, Leslie was getting some more together. And so I think they do have some more uh, adults and teens first. If you're an adult and did not get a bag, I want you to go back and get one of those. And then uh, teenagers, you can get those as well. And then afterward, if we have some left, we'll get some to our kiddos. So be sure you get one of those. Romans chapter number one tonight. And I'm uh, going to pick up in a very simple uh, scripture here, verse 15, verse 16. If you're there, let's go ahead and stand. And uh, I'm going to give you a hint tonight that uh, the points to the message are going to be on your left and right. On the walls, we're going to be preaching our specific themes tonight as we look forward to how we're going to go about fulfilling God's will with the theme of being ready this year and uh, excited about breaking it down to a level of where we can uh, take it and run with it. And uh, I believe tonight we're going to see exactly how God wants us to do that. And I hope we're going to take it and we're going to all run with it together. Romans chapter 1, we're going to look down to verse number 15. Uh, the Bible says, so as much as, is, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. And I pray that you'd help us now present the burden that you've given us. I'm so thankful for how you've stirred my heart. And Lord, I can't stir hearts, but you can. And so we pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, would have freedom and liberty tonight. That we'd not quench the spirit, Lord, in any way. Disobedience, distractions, help us tonight. Now, Lord, allow your spirit to make your word, Lord, so clear to us. Uh, that, Father, will be burdened and motivated to respond to it during the invitation time. Bless us now, I pray your will be done, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I told you this morning, I'm excited about the opportunity to actually begin uh, walking down this road of readiness. We've been working on this since about uh, July and August, and really in earnest the last two or three months of the year. And I'm excited to really begin to push the start button where we can put it to work and begin practicing a lot of the principles in the Word of God about how our Father would desire that we be ready. And tonight we're going to break it down for our church. I'm thankful for visitors we have uh, every Sunday morning. God blesses us to have uh, visitors at our church, uh, new folks that come, and sometimes folks come and sometimes folks go. But on Sunday night, you usually have your core group. Uh, those are the people that are going to go to battle with you, and I'm thankful for you to be 
be here tonight and uh, look forward to sharing with you about how we're going to take this and put it into practice. And the truth of the matter is tonight, this morning we really preached on how we could be ready and how our Father wants us to be ready in making the changes in our life that we, may, uh, that we need to make, making sure our hearts are right with God and making sure that we're focused on pleasing and serving the Lord. But the truth of the matter tonight, when you look down in Luke 1, as we did this morning, you'll realize that the burden of being ready is twofold. It's not just being ready that I have to be ready and have my bag packed for when the Lord comes back. That's part of it. I have to be ready. And when I stand before God, uh, I'm going to hope that I spent the time God gave me on this planet getting ready. All right? But not only do I have to be ready, what was God's command to John the Baptist? It was to make ready. Folks, this is a twofold burden we have this year. And by the way, this is not just a burden for 2023. This has been God's will for His church uh, ever since He gave us the commission. That we as His people be ready. That's the second part of the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe all things. That is me getting ready for His return. But then the Bible says we're supposed to go and to teach. That's getting other people ready. Now, folks, that's enough to occupy 10 lifetimes, and as we grow to be who God's called us to be, we're also called to go and make other people ready. As she just sang a moment ago, there's an entire planet of people that is not ready to meet the Lord. There's a lot of people in our world that are just as lost as they could be, and the sad truth is tonight, and they don't even realize it. They need us to go and bring the good news of the gospel to them to shed light on where they're at so that they can trust Christ as we have. Now, I told you tonight, I hope you brought back your cards. If you didn't, you can just look at mine from afar tonight. Uh, But I brought mine here with me, the one that I'm going to keep in my Bible. And uh, what these cards really are, they're just visual reminders. You know, I'm thankful this year that we have the beautiful uh, Bible reading charts. I guess I left it over there somewhere around here to keep track of our Bible reading this year. And that's basically what this is on our spiritual growth. We have our Bible reading calendars. It helps us stay accountable, and it keeps us in front of us to make sure that, hey, we're keeping up with our Bible reading. Well, these cards that we had printed up for our people are just that. They keep it in front of us. Because I assure you, at some point when we stand before God, a lot of these things are going to show up again. A lot of what our Father has left us to do and who our Father has left us to be is what we're going to be held accountable to. This is not pie in the sky, opinion of Jeremiah Andrews. This is straight from the Word of God. And we'll look at some of these things tonight here. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I was listening to him preach yesterday, not in person, but someone reading a dictation of a sermon he preached on Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And he used to quote, I'm going to try to get it as close as I can, because I was driving and did not want to pull over to write it down. So I'm going to try to do it from memory. I wrote it down. He says, if we were as diligent to keep spiritual ledgers as up to date as we keep financial ledgers, perhaps our accounts would be in much better standing with God. I don't know about you, but uh, whoever does the bills in your house, I just about wager you tonight they have a ledger. I'm sure they don't just keep it all up here. I tried that. It doesn't work, okay? Uh, I would get those little things in the mail all the time that would tell me I was overdrawn, you know, and I was thankful they did that and, you know, tear the little top off and realize you're going to pay 35 extra dollars for whatever it was uh, that you were spending your money on. You keep a ledger, don't you? 
You keep up with how much money is spent. My wife, she loves balancing the checkbook. It's just about like Christmas morning when it balances out every time for her. You know, I'm good. You know, keep it within a dollar or two. She has to have it down to the penny. She wants to make sure that it's balanced and she has this wonderful glow all over her face when she balances out that ledger. Now, we keep track of our money, don't we? Yeah, we want to keep track of our money. We keep track of how much is in our retirement accounts. Uh, We keep track of our children's grades, don't we? Want to know what they're making, those progress reports. They went out recently, didn't they? Hope you guys did well. And we keep track of our grades. We keep track of our future and our retirement, how many days we have to retire. All things that are great and needful, but they're not eternal. They're not eternal. And yet how often do we neglect the things that are? Boy, as I begin to prepare the, the, the Vision Sunday, what we're going to hand out and things we're going to give out, I said, boy, we just need to put it out there in front of our people. Why? Because the accounts are going to be settled. One day I'm going to stand before God and give an account. That account's going to be settled. And uh, whether or not I was saved, baptized, and I was discipled, whether or not I've witnessed and uh, spent time in prayer and had God in his preeminent place in my life, this is all scripture. We need to keep it in front of Now, I'm sure some of you are going to think, you know what, I don't need that. I assure you, keep it in front of you, it'll convict you. It'll convict you. When you look down and you realize, man, that box didn't. I went an entire week without sharing the gospel. Oh, we ought to be convicted about that. That I went an entire week without giving somebody a gospel track. You didn't even have to have confrontational soul winning. But boy, to look at an empty box and realize I wasted a whole week and I never shared the gospel. I don't know about you, that convicts me. As it should. As we look down through the list and we see other things, we'll look at it here in the message tonight. Realizing, boy, I'm falling short on this thing. You know, on here we have the fruits of the Spirit. Those aren't suggestions. Our Father desires we have those in our life. And we stand before Him one day. I promise you it's going to mean something to you to know that you've made it a priority to have the fruits of the Spirit in your life. On the back we have our attendance on there. This one's going to get scary. Boy, I hope at the end of the year you don't have a whole lot of blank boxes. I know we'll all have them from time to time. But this helps keep us accountable. And as we go throughout this year, I pray that your focus and your desire is going to be just that, that you keep good accounts with God. told Miley the other day, we try to spend some time with her each evening and disciple her along just a little bit in her faith. And I told her, keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. Uh, When you sin, you trespass, you do wrong, get it right immediately. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let that sin fester. And I believe it's a great thing tonight that we're going to have something to help keep us mindful of the things we're going to be accountable to one day. Simply put, I think we ought to look at it before we have to look at it. You know, one day you're going to have to face the fact of whether or not you had a prayer life. One day you're going to stand before God, all right, and you're going to face the facts of whether or not you had a healthy prayer life. One day you're going to stand before God, and you're going to give an account to whether or not you had the fruits of the Spirit in your life, and whether or not you took unto you the whole armor of God. Hey, why don't we look at it before we have to look at it? Why don't we start paying attention to it before we have to pay attention to it? Like I said, boy, when I was in college, boy, I tell you, uh, I was just a sorry dog. I made really good money in construction and didn't keep up with my ledgers like I should. And they sent me that nice little reminder in the mail to let me know that I need to put some more money in the account. I go into pot. Boy, it's kind of late to do it then. One day it's going to be too late to make sure our account is right with God. And I believe if we have it in front of us, it's going to help us 
keep track of that and stay accountable. Uh, we're just going to walk through this tonight, so just stick with me. It'll be a little bit different introduction. This afternoon, we're sitting on the couch, and I told Leslie, the more I begin studying and preparing back during the summer for this year's theme, the more I begin to realize that so many great men and women of God found the steps. That's why we gave you this, just so you could follow behind others who found those boxes to check in their life so they would be ready to meet the Lord. I told her, I think the Apostle Paul had one. She says, what do you think? I, I says, really, I do. And so I read for her in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. For I am now ready to be offered. For I am now ready to be offered. He's ready to meet the Lord. But stick with me. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I believe the Apostle Paul, all throughout his ministry, I believe, look, I'm just giving you my opinion, okay? I'm not going to have scripture for that, but this is my opinion. I think the Apostle Paul had some boxes in his brain. And I think as he served God, he's remembering, hey, before I meet the Lord and before I go and meet him or he comes to meet me, I want to make sure I fight a good fight. I don't want to leave this life without checking that box that I put up the good fight of faith and that I contended for my faith. And now here he is. Watch this. He says, I'm ready. He says, I've checked that box. What did he go on to say? He says, I have finished my course. I think somewhere in Paul's mind, I really do, somewhere in his heart, there's a box on there. It was my course. My course. I want to finish that. Paul says, I want to put a check mark in that, that before I leave this life and before I come face to face with my Savior, I want to be able to check that box that I finished my course. Oh, tonight, I believe as the people of God, we ought to have some boxes in our mind for the will of God for our life, and we ought to work as hard as we can to check as many of them before the Lord returns. And I believe tonight, we're going to kind of get into this as we go down this road of readiness, and I hope in 2023, there's three things specifically that I think we're going to focus in on that are going to really cover just about everything. We've got them on the wall back there. Appreciate Brother Bo working so hard on that. Uh, we were working together, putting up graphics on the wall, uh, digitally trying to decide. And Brother Bo says, why don't we just do a checklist on the wall? I says, I love it. And I hope we can look up at those checklists all throughout the year and see how we're doing on those three topics that we're going to cover tonight. So tonight's message is simple. Uh, we're going to be looking at the responsibilities of the ready, okay? Responsibilities of the ready. And we begin in Romans 1.15. That's the first one over on the wall that helps us to realize what we're to be about. What does he say in verse 15? So as much as in me is, I am ready, there it is, to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Now, let me give you just a little bit of context here of what the Apostle Paul is not saying, okay? He's not saying, you know what, I just really despised you Roman people and haven't wanted to share the gospel with you, and finally I have come to the place where I'm willing to preach to you the gospel. That's not what he's saying. The Apostle Paul is not telling us that he was hesitant. He says, now I am ready, I am eager to preach the gospel to you. It was not that he didn't want to, it was the fact that he didn't have divine opportunity. All right? This is what he's saying. He says, now I am ready to preach the gospel to you. Now, if there's one thing we must be ready to do as the church of the living God, if there's one thing we ought to know that we must be ready to do, it should be to preach the gospel. I mean, that is basic, 
homework for the child of God. As we look at this ledger throughout this year, and I hope you hang on to it. By the way, somebody asked, are we going to turn these in and are they going to be graded? I was like, no. I don't want you to see my blank spaces. I don't want to see your blank spaces either. I hope you don't have any. But boys, we go throughout this year and we look at this ledger there at the bottom of the first half, uh, 52 blanks that I share the gospel with at least one person this week. I think it would frighten us to know how much we did or didn't do. Some folks will go, look, and I'm not not ridiculing you, but hey, conviction is not a bad thing. That hey, some folks will go a whole year without sharing the gospel with anybody. That I, I did not plant this seed of the gospel in anybody's life. The lady at Burger King, the lady at Corner Market, I did not share the gospel an entire year. Well, you know what? An entire year is a long time. The way that we make sure we don't waste an entire year is we go week by week. I'm going to make sure I give out at least one. I hope you give out more, but at least one gospel track a week. That's why our first respons- responsibility is simple. Number one, ready to preach the gospel. It's right there on the wall, okay? Ready to preach the gospel. Now, here's what some of you are probably saying, especially our young people. I'm so glad I'm not a preacher. Paul says, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm eager to preach the gospel. All right? Paul says, my heart's desire is to now preach the gospel to the people at Rome. And he said, well, I'm not a preacher. Here's the wonderful truth I'm going to help you out with, okay? The word preach simply means this, to bring good news or good tidings. That's what preach means. I'm going to bring good news and I'm going to bring good tidings. Hey, what a wonderful thing it is that we get to share the gospel. All right? We get to share the good news. It's kind of like it's a bygone era now, but back, uh, you know, back even in my lifetime, I remember, I do remember paper boys. Y'all remember paper boys? Uh, you kind of maybe see them on movies and whatnot. And when the war would be over, victory would be won over the enemy, World War I, World War II. The paper boys would go grab a bundle. They'd stand there on the streets. I've seen them in some larger metropolitan cities even today. But paper boys are just about a, a, a gone thing anymore. And those boys would be holding up the signs, victory, victory, extra, extra. Read all about it. What were they doing? They were heralding Or they were sharing the good news that we had won and that we had victory. Now watch. They didn't have to write the article. They didn't have to publish the article. They didn't have to pay for the article. All they had to do is share the article. That's what they were there to do. That's what you and I are here to do. Now, folks, look, we get ourselves worked up sometimes thinking, boy, i I got to learn the right things to say in all the verses. By the way, you ought to. You learn a lot for your job that's not going to be in heaven. We ought to learn about how to win people to Christ. Amen? We ought to learn some scripture. I mean, our kids, thank God, they're learning how to add X's and numbers. Amen. All right, I hope you're doing good with that. I hope you did good on your progress report. All right? And they need to learn how to do that. One day when they're building the rockets that are going to NASA, I know that scares you to death. Think about your kid doing that. But somebody's going to do it one day. And they're learning that important stuff, and we make them learn that, hey, why don't we learn something that's going to help keep somebody out of hell, all right? Why don't we get some scripture, put it on a three-by-five card in our pocket, as we go down the road, recite it to ourselves. My wife listens to the Bible uh, when she's getting dressed in the morning, that word of God going into her heart. And boy, when you have an opportunity to witness to someone, the Holy Spirit stirs up those verses and helps you win someone to Christ. Can I tell you, just like the sign on the wall, we ought to be ready to preach the gospel, to share the good news. Now, here's what's amazing when we read this passage. When Paul says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel, he's not saying, I have learned the entire Romans road. 
That's not what he's saying. I'm ready now. I learned the Romans road, and I learned the wordless book, you know, the gold page and the red page. No, no, no. Hey, learn that one. That's good. I led a lot of people to Christ with the wordless book or the Romans road. As a matter of fact, you look on the back of your bookmark. We got the Romans road there, so you can learn that and study that. That's not what he means. It means his heart's desire. That's what it means. Paul says, I'm ready. My heart's desire. I want to be in Rome. Why? Because I want to preach the gospel. Here's what he's saying. He says, oh, I have a burden to preach the gospel to you. That's what he's saying. Can I tell you tonight, that's what we've got to have in order to be ready. We've got to have a burden. You know, we can bring soul winning folks in here to have seminars, and I'm thankful for that, and we need those, and we're going to try to have a couple this year. And you can learn what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. But if you're not motivated by a burden from on high, you're not going to stay motivated very long. I think that's what we're lacking. All right? We're lacking a good old-fashioned burden for lost people. To where when we look at these people out there on the street, we're not looking and seeing obstacles to what we want and how we want to live. We see opportunities to do the will of God. That when we look at these people, rather than realize and think to ourselves, that person, and it's those type of people that just ruin our town, rather than that, we look at those people and realize that the Lord Jesus Christ died for them just like he died for me. For God so loved them just as much as he loved me, a preacher's son. And God help us this year to get ready by having a genuine, authentic burden for lost people. I mean, look, if it takes to get down here at the altar, we'll stay as long as you need to stay, as long as you need to pray that God would break your heart for people that are going to slip off into a devil's hell. It'd be worth it that we just stay here and say, God, I'm not getting up until you give me a burden and break my heart for people. Look, we all have a tendency to become callous to it. We get on the news all the time, and we watch what all these people are doing and all that in our country, and all of a sudden, you have animosity toward people that you're supposed to be reaching. It's the truth. Oh, wretched man that I am. Folks, we've got to own up to that. We are not burdened for lost people like we ought to be. And Central Baptist Church is not going to be ready and ready to meet Christ until we have a genuine burden to reach those that we were left here to reach. Folks, can I tell you, I think that's the answer to so many what ails of our society today is, is they're just lost. <laughs> you know, that's like blaming a lion for wanting to eat a, a person. That old lion, man, yeah, he's a lion. That's what he does. That old snake slithering across the ground. Yes, he's a snake. That's what they do. The problem is, it's amazing that lost people are acting like lost people. The problem is saved people aren't acting like saved people. All right? Now, can I tell you something tonight? Look, I love you in Jesus' name. I really do. But our church this year is not going to be ready for the trump of God to sound and to meet Jesus in spite of all that we have. In spite of our programs, in spite of our opportunities and activities, I'm thankful for them. But our church is not going to be ready to meet Jesus when he comes in the clouds until we get a genuine burden for the lost people that are out there. And I'd encourage you, it would, it would pay you well to spend all the time you need on your knees before God, asking God to break your heart for somebody outside of your circle. Make a difference in your life. That's why we're left here. That's what God called us to do. 
Acts chapter 17, we see this motivating Paul. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now, let me tell you what he was not, okay? I want to tell you a lot about what's not tonight, I guess, okay? So Paul is there at Athens, and he sees all of the idols that are there and the false god worship, and he didn't bust up in there to give them his apologetics. Let me tell you what I know, and I'm going to argue you down and shut you down in front of everybody because I know more than you do. No, he was burdened for those people. That if they keep believing what they're believing, they're going to die and go to hell. And Paul couldn't stand it. His spirit was stirred. He had to do something about that. Oh, that we would have that kind of burden. That it motivated us. That it couldn't stop us. Years ago, my dad was the one who first took me deer hunting. And, uh, man, I tell you, my first outing deer hunting, uh, I was supposed to shoot on this side of the creek. Dad was going to shoot on that side of the creek, and we could see each other there. And lo and behold, a big deer walks out on his side of the creek, but I could hit it. And uh, suddenly I forgot where the creek was and uh, shot at it. Thank the Lord, didn't hit my dad. And uh, killed the deer. And, boy, did a lot of deer hunting together. Killed a lot of deer as a young man. And enjoyed that. Got to go a little bit yesterday. And I've enjoyed getting out and enjoying this beautiful weather God's given us. And. I remember as I got older as a teenager, dad's deer hunting started, you know, slacking off a little bit, didn't go as much. Well, we used to come home, boy, we'd come home from school, dad have a deer out there on the swing set. You know, that's the best place to skin a deer, right? We're in South Mississippi, swing set, it's perfect. We had deer hanging out there, and as time went on, uh, dad killed less and less deer and less and less deer. Nothing wrong with killing deer, all right? It's good meat, and it's even organic. That's uh, That's kind of the thing now, isn't it? And I forget, he was preaching one day, and he got up behind the pulpit and he said that, I think it was about 1992, if I remember the story correctly, he said he asked God that God would give him a burden for souls that would overshadow his desire to hunt. And that was the last time he ever killed a deer. Now you say, wow, that's, that's kind of rough. Well, can I tell you something this morning? I don't think when I stand before God on my tally sheet, how many deer I killed is going to be there. You didn't kill enough deer this year. Wouldn't that be awesome if it was? <laughs> Can't go to work today, honey. <laughs> Got to go hunting, okay? I don't think that's going to be there. And after a while, the things of earth do grow strangely dim when all of a sudden our priority gets where it needs to be that I'm here to preach or to share the gospel. I want you to try to remember something with me tonight. Real simple stuff, okay? None of us were born saved. Now, some of you are looking at me funny. I don't wear my glasses tonight. Are you with me on that one? None of us were born saved. All right? For all have sinned. I know you don't like to admit it, but you did. All right? For all have sinned, and every one of us have come short. We were all born lost. All right? Our sin separated us from our Father. But I want you to remember how much the gospel changed your life. Could you do that just for a minute? How much did the gospel change your life? What are you enjoying now because of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think about it. Well, obviously you have a home in heaven and you're not going to hell, but there's so much more to salvation than just not going to hell. I mean, now we get to enjoy grace and peace and mercy and have joy and contentment in our life all because of the Lord Jesus Christ because somebody shared the gospel with us. Now, here's what I want you to think tonight. There's a whole lot of people that don't know And haven't had the opportunity that you have because they haven't come to know the Lord that you and I have come to know. Now listen closely. 
James 5.20 says, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Do you know there are people in Hattiesburg, Mississippi tonight that by the grace of God, somebody in here or some people in here are going to lead them to Christ And because you are going to share the gospel with somebody this year, do you realize the Bible says that he that converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins? There are people in Hattiesburg that by the grace of God this year are not going to know some heartache that they would have known if somebody hadn't have brought the gospel to them. Think about that. There are people that are not going to experience some pain in their life all because somebody shared the gospel with them. That's what the gospel does. We sang it, they sang about it a minute ago. God's word changes lives. That's the power of the gospel. As we as God's people go share it with people, we're changing not only their eternity but changing their life. Why? Because somebody decided to be ready to preach the gospel. The other day, we were in a local coffee shop, one of Miley's favorites. I told my Sunday school class about it this morning and ran into a celebrity, at least a local celebrity, has a show there, I think on uh, one of the networks, uh, Discovery Channel or something, and ran into this person, recognized who they were, and went over and talked with them, and Miley wanted to meet them, so I invited them over to our table, and they came over, and we got a selfie with them while they were there, and uh, thanked them for coming over, appreciate you, da, 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 going about your business. And as I sat there, I thought to myself, You missed it. You missed it. I was more concerned with meeting him than I was that him meet him. And so I pulled a track out of my pocket and walked back over before I left. I said, hey, my name is Jeremiah Andrews, pastor of Central Baptist Church. Love to have you come go to church with us. Hey, you know, read this in your spare time. How easy it is for us to get distracted, isn't it? But to realize that's why we're here. We are here to share the gospel, but we've got to be ready to preach the gospel. That begins with a burden for the lost. 1 Timothy 2, 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Do you know why lost people do what lost people do? They've yet to come to the knowledge of the truth. Guess what? You and I have the truth. You know, we look at these tracks, and boy, I hope you don't waste them, okay? A lot of work went into getting this stuff on here. The Hattiesburg ones, I love them, excited about them. Folks want to pick that up and see what it's all about. This has truth on it, life-changing truth. But truth can't change them if they don't get the truth. So number one, this year, let's be ready to preach the gospel. Let's be ready to share that. Let's ask God to give us a burden for that. Then let's move on. Take your Bible. Let's turn to Titus. If you're following the wall, that's the biggest points I've ever had up on the wall. Go to the book of Titus. Something important for us to see tonight. I want you to watch what the Bible says in verse 1. Pay close attention to verse 1 where the Bible says to be ready. There's our word again. To what? Every good work. To be ready to every good work. Now, Don't call me out on the context. I know what the context is. Obviously, it's referring, if you read it, to magistrates and authorities and powers that are over this. But here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's reminding them that their spirituality bridges past the church. He says, I want you to know that who you are and what you believe 
it spans not just only in the church house, that to understand that you need to be ready to every good work, even in your workplace and the authorities that you're under. Matthew Henry said of this passage, I read it uh, earlier in the week, he says, ministers are people's remembrancers of their duty. Ministers are people's, I don't even know if that's a real word, remembrancers of their duty. Paul says, Titus, you got to remind them of their duty that who they are is who they always are under magistrates, authorities, and powers, and to be ready to what? Every good work. Now, what are the good works? Well, the good works of our life, they should reflect the good work of Christ in our life. Okay? That's what good works are all about. Good works aren't so that you look better than the next guy. <laughs> well, I was better than him today, and, and I acted better, and I spoke. No, no, no. That's not what it's all about. The good works in our life are reflecting the good work that Christ did in our life. All right? So number two tonight, our second point that we're going we're gonna to strive to cover and go in-depth this year, it's really going to cover that top part of the first page. We've got to be ready to every good work. Ready to every good work. I said this a moment ago, salvation is so much more than being saved from hell and saved for heaven. Okay? Salvation is so much more than being saved from hell and being saved for heaven. Think about all the opportunities that salvation is accompanied by. We have grace. I mentioned it. We have peace. We have contentment. We have joy. But did you know, and boy, if you don't know, you're going to know it this year for sure, the salvation, not only does it come with added opportunities, but it comes with added responsibilities. Boy, I know we don't like talking about that one. Boy, I got saved. That's all I wanted. Well, it's a package deal. There's a lot that comes with it. Well, what is the package deal? Well, let me read this one to you. You can jot it down. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There it is again. It's amazing how many times you'll find that phrase throughout the word of God, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you know the good works that we're supposed to be walking in? Here's just a few of those listed here on the top of our card. Do you know that's not busy work? Does everybody know what busy work is? Busy work is what you give your kids or your spouse when you want them to get out of your way. Right? Some of you are like, oh, yes. Yes, you've been used, okay? I, I probably have told this story before. Years ago at the camp, we had these neighborhood kids that, uh, man, they, they didn't know how to work, didn't really want to work, but they wanted $5 from my dad, and my dad says, well, I believe you ought to work for it. And uh, what can you do? Well, we can do just about anything. And dad says, well, I think those rocks out there in the parking lot are getting war on that side. So have, do you have any experience flipping over rocks? Oh, yeah, we're good at that. He said, all right, go out there in the parking lot and flip all the rocks over where they'll get evenly wore on the other side. And they went out there and did I don't know how long they was out there, but they was out there a while. That's busy work, okay? It just gets people out of your hair for a little while. When the Bible says that we are ordained for good works, that we should walk in them, can I tell you tonight, that's not busy work. The things that are on top of this card come straight from the Word of God. This is not busy work. This is the life we're called to. But we've got to be, what does it say? Ready to every good work. Think about it this way tonight. These opportunities, and boy, we could have listed many. I interviewed a lot of people asking them what they would put on top of that card. It was amazing the responses we got. Some good, uh, some not as good as others. But we condensed it down into just a few. All of these opportunities that are on top of this card, these are those things that equip us to carry out the good works. 
Okay, can you see that? All of these things, watch this, obviously being saved, baptized, discipleship, witnessing prayer, sanctification, walking with God. All of those things, watch, equip us to carry out the good works. Now, I don't know about you, I have found it in my life hard to do the job I was called or asked to do without the right tools. You ever been there? Man, I guess I'm just picking on you tonight, Dad. Bless his heart. My brother and I used to borrow his tools for everything but what they were used for. You ever driven a nail with a ratchet? I have. I am multi-talented. You ever taken a, a crescent wrench and, and beat something back into place? Or maybe, oh, the one that he used to hate, using his tin snips to cut Romex copper wire. Come back and his tin snips would have these gaps. You know, it's like it's missing teeth there on the tin snip. Have y'all been cutting wire? Yes, that was my brother. I tried to tell him not. No, it was usually me as well. If you're going to do the work, you need the tools, right? Now watch, watch. Things along this line here, this is how we get equipped to do the good works that we are commanded and ordained to walk in. And if we don't have these things in our life, we're ill-equipped to do the good works that our Father has called us to. See, it has a dual purpose. It's personal and it's purposeful. All right? Watch. Let's just pick a couple tonight. I'm going to pick an easy one. Discipleship. It's right there at number three. It's the third one on your box. All right? After you get saved, there's the Great Commission. Go. Get saved. That's the first one. Baptize. There's the second. And then teach them to observe all things. That's the third thing. Let's think about discipleship tonight. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, you know it well. The Bible says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So, number one, watch. I'm learning these things, and I'm working on checking these boxes. Why? Because that's how I get grounded. And then once I'm grounded, guess what I do? I go. You see, it's personal and it's purposeful. I've got to have these things in my life. Why? How can I fulfill the good works that my father left me here with if I don't have the right tools? It's amazing how much we ignore the things that God tells us that we need to have in our life. That's why we can't do the jobs we're called to. Pick another one real quick. Look down. Sanctification. Sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. They should abstain from fornication. Now, I won't go read all of that. There's a lot that could be there. But, man, time has flied, flown by because we're having fun. Amen. Watch. These good works, sanctification, that's the will of God for my life. But wait a minute. What did Paul tell Timothy? That in order to be a vessel meet for the master's use, I've got to be what? Sanctified. A vessel that is sanctified, meet for the master's use. So I need to be sanctified in order to be right before God. I also have to be sanctified in order to be used by God. You see, the sanctification is not only good for me, but it's also how I accomplish the good works. Who wants to use a dirty cup? You ever go to one of those all-you-can-eat buffets? It's been a while since I've been there. I don't need to go. Golden Corral just calls to me. It's kind of like the, the bat signal of Krispy Kreme. It just calls to me, you know. And you get one of those plates, and evidently it didn't get run through the cleaner good enough. I'm just like, ugh, it just somewhat nerves out. It turns me off. I don't even want to eat there. All right, I don't want to use that. You don't want to use that. Can I tell you, God doesn't want to use that either. 
He says, hey, I want you to be sanctified, all right, in order to be right with me, sanctified, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That's for you, but also you got to be sanctified to do the good work of the vessel that God's called you to. You see how that works? In order for me to be ready, I've got to know what the Word of God says on how I'm supposed to live and who I'm supposed to be. Matthew 5, 16, I'm going to hurry. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. There it is again. And do what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, when I let my light shine, not only am I in obedience to God, but now I'm a witness to others. Now, isn't witnessing on there? I think it is. Yep, there it is, number four. Watch. I let my light shine. That's my witness. That's my witness. You see, in order to be ready for every good work, you've got to know exactly what our Father says we need to accomplish uh, those good works. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, our time is running short. I'm looking down tonight, making sure I don't skip over anything. The Lord doesn't want us to skip over. I think about what a great disservice we do uh, in our Christian walk and for the cause of Christ when our life does not reflect what we say happened on the inside. Right? Salvation is not just something that was on the inside. It, it's supposed to bubble over on the outside. That's what a light does. A light shines. You think about a flashlight, that the light never got outside the end of the tube that you're holding. Wouldn't be a very useful flashlight, but it's useful because the light gets out. The light's got to get out. But you've got to be ready for every good work. And then finally tonight, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 24. I do mean the man of time has gone by fast tonight. Matthew 24. Our last area tonight that I believe we'll cover a lot is, is very simple. Matthew 24, look down to verse 44. Jesus speaking, what does he say? Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now what's the truth here in this verse? Well, the simple truth is this. Christ's return should be the greatest motivator for our readiness, right? Christ's return should be the greatest motivator for our readiness because we don't know when they're coming. Now, we've all been here before. We've all been children, all right? And we know when our parents leave us a to-do list, right? And they've left this a to-do list of things that need to be done before they get back. And, man, back in the old days, you didn't know when they were coming, Cell phones, no way to track them. Thank the Lord for cell phones now. We can track them. Tried to surprise my wife several years ago coming home from Colorado. Drove through the night to surprise her and coming in early after I'd killed an elk. And uh, all the way home, I'm lying to her. I have to be honest behind the pulpit. Yeah, we're up here in the mountains. No, I was on the highway boogieing toward home. What are y'all doing today? Well, I'm sitting here, uh, you know, beside this tree, hoping something's going to walk out. No, I was sitting in an IHOP somewhere, you know, in North Louisiana on my way home. Little did I know, she had find my phone on my phone. Oh, the fun she must have had sitting there at her kitchen table. Oh, I'm up here in the mouth. I even tried to sell it with some drama. These guys, you know, I just want to come home, but they just, ah, oh, and she's sitting back laughing her head off. Why? She knew when I was coming, and she was ready when I got there. Can I tell you, we don't know when he's coming. So Christ's return is the greatest motivator for us to be ready. That's why you look at that third thing there on the bottom. We've got to be, the third thing, ready for the sun. 
ready for the sun. You know, it's interesting to do a study, and we don't have time tonight. And notice how many times in Scripture the coming of our Lord is used as a motivator. Obviously, Hebrews 10, 25, we quoted it this morning, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now talking about coming together, gathering together as the church, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. The Bible says as that day is approaching, when? When we're going to meet our Savior face to face, in person. The Bible says the coming of the Lord ought to be a great motivator for what? For our faithfulness and exhorting one another to faithfulness. It makes us want to be what? To be ready. I think about school, you know, we, we, our kids go to school and we encourage our kids to go to school and we tell them, well, you got to go to school, why? Because you want to graduate, right? You want to be ready for life. I mean, you got to add those X's and numbers and letters all together because that's important stuff you need in life and, and graphing a sentence. You're going to use that one day, one day. I'm sure you will, sure you will. And we encourage them to that. Why? We want them to be ready. And so that's a motivator. How serious are we about being ready for the sun? How seriously are we ready to be in for the sun? He's coming. What did it say? He's coming, verse 44. He says, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. It's going to catch a lot of us by surprise. Hey, 2023, why don't we resolve, hey, I'm going to be faithful. Why? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Hey, if he comes on a Sunday morning, hey, I'm going to be here. If he comes on a Sunday night, I'm going to be found here. If he comes on a Wednesday night, I'm going to be found here. I know he's coming, and as I see that day approaching, I'm going to be faithful so much the more. Let the coming of the Lord motivate us to be faithful this year. I'll close with this. I have a lot more, but we're going to close with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I gave you the first part of the chapter earlier. Paul says, after he has finished his course, and kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. What was motivating Paul? Well, I kind of sort of believe he had a list in his head. All right, you know, I've got a, I've got a fight that I've got to fight. There's a race that I got to run. There's a faith that I got to keep. What kept motivating? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand before the sun one day. And his coming to me or my going to him motivates me to make sure I'm ready for the sun. Tonight, folks, I pray that somehow in some way today, the Lord has stirred your heart and then our heart collectively as a church that we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready to preach the gospel this year. I'm going to ask God for a burden. Give us a burden. Break our heart for people who have yet to hear the good news that we've heard. And then we're going to be ready to every good work. We're going to work on our discipleship to be sanctified. We're going to work on the will of God for our life. Why? Because that's what our Father wants for us. We've got to be ready. We've got to make sure that when he comes, that we have more than just an empty suitcase, that we've been packing our spiritual bags with all the lists that our Father says we're going to need when we meet him. And ultimately, be ready for the Son. The trump of God could sound tomorrow, and all the plans and preparations for the new year would, would be for naught. But if it doesn't sound tomorrow, I'd like to be busy when he comes, don't you? I'd like to be busy. 
Wouldn't it be neat if you were witnessing to somebody, just won somebody to the Lord at the Chevron station, the trump of God sounds. Oh, I think in that twinkling of an eye of a moment, there's going to be such a wonderful peace and fulfillment in your heart. I was ready. I was ready. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, are you saved? I know we're talking to our Sunday night crowd here. Are you saved? Look, look, let's cut out all of what people think and all that. No, no, are you saved? I want you to be ready. I'd be excited for you tonight if you realize, hey, I'm not sure that I'm saved, but if the Lord could come back at any moment when I think not, I want to be ready. Hey, you come down, I promise you, we will celebrate the greatest decision of your life. If you are saved tonight, are you ready? Are you ready to preach the gospel? If you're not ready to share the gospel, you're not ready. Are you ready to every good work, all that our Father's called us to be, and are you ready for his return? If not, let's make today our first steps down this road of readiness. So when he comes, Central Baptist Church is going to be ready not just to see him, but we're going to be ready to meet him. Amen? Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are